Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. So the Bible reading is from Matthew chapter 4 and verses 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. So we continue our series through the Lord's Prayer, where we're looking at the Lord's Prayer line by line. And today we've come to the line which is found in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And there are two lines there, there are two requests. One, lead us not into temptation, and then two, deliver us from the evil one. But actually, there's just one request that Jesus states twice. He first states the request negatively, lead us not into temptation, and then he states it positively, but deliver us from the evil one. So there's There's actually just one request there. He's saying the same thing, but he's saying it twice, once negatively and then once positively. Now, there's a lot of ambiguity. There's a lot of ambiguity around the phrase, lead us not into temptation. Uh, Firstly, what does the word that's been translated temptation, what does that word actually mean? See, in the Greek, the Greek word is perosmos, which can be translated temptation, or it can be translated trial, as in a hardship and suffering, or it can simply be translated test, testing. And so it has a wide range of meanings, and it has different meanings depending on the context. The best English equivalent is probably the word test, because it can kind of hold the same range of meanings. So if you say... um, well, say, for example, you want to test someone, but, but your whole purpose is to make them trip. The whole purpose and your whole intent is to get them to, to fall and fail. We would call that temptation. But equally, you, you could have a test. You could be testing someone where you, you want them to learn. You want them to grow. You want to bring the best out of them. And in that case, you would just use, probably use the word test. Or if you're going through a really hard time, that you're really suffering, that, that you, you're really struggling, it's a hard time, we often say it's testing times, you're going through testing times. And so the word test kind of covers the wide range of meanings, but it can, be, it can be a positive test, or it can be a negative test. It can be a positive test where you want to bring the best out of someone, you want the best for someone, or, or it can be a negative test. It, it can be a temptation, it can be a trial. And so is this a, a, a positive test, or is this a negative test? 
Well, quite clearly from the context, it's a negative test. Uh, because we're praying to be delivered from it. And also take note that this test is equated with the evil one. We, we pray, lead us not into temptation, lead us not into testing, but deliver us from the testing, from the evil one. The, the, the temptation, the testing is equated with the evil one. And so we know what, who the source of this testing is. This is not coming from God. This is coming from the evil one. And so we're talking about trials and temptations that come from the evil one. And just a quick point. Uh, some translations would have from evil. Other translations have from the evil one. The Greek can be translated either way. It can either be translated as impersonal evil, or it can be translated as personal evil. It, it, it can be tra- translated either way, but it, it doesn't really make a difference because all evil essentially has its roots in personal evil, in the evil one, who is often referred to as Satan or the devil. But secondly, why are we asking God to not lead us into these trials and temptations? I mean, surely God wouldn't do that. So why are we asking him to not do what he wouldn't do? Uh, you know, some people have concluded that the meaning of this, uh, of this verse means that God normally leads us into trials and temptations unless we ask him not to, unless we pray, lead us not into temptations, unless we pray that God's going to just lead us into all these kinds of hardships. Is that right? Well, of course not. So what do we mean when we pray, lead us, uh, not, uh, lead us not? Well, once again, the phrase, lead us not, needs to be understood in light of its counterpart, deliver us. You see how the two lines work in parallel? Lead us not needs to be understood in light of deliver us. We're we asking God, to rescue us, to help us. We're asking God to help us to not give in to temptation. We're asking God to help us to, to not fall when we face trials. We're asking God to help us to stand firm when we're going through testing times. This meaning, in this sense, uh, is, is brought out really well in the New Living Translation, who has translated it, and don't let us yield to temptation. Don't let us give in to temptation. It's effectively a vote of no confidence. It's a vote of no confidence in our ability to stand up against trials and temptations from the evil one. It's saying, I can't do it. I need help. Help. Help me, God, to stand firm. Help me, God, to not give in. I need help. I need protection. I need rescuing. It's a vote of no confidence. Now, when we talk about temptation, temptation is effectively trying to overcome evil within us. Trials 
is all about trying to overcome evil around us, evil within the world. And so today we're going to be focusing on temptations, trying to overcome evil within us. And next time we're going to look at trials overcoming evil within the world. In James chapter 1 and verses 13 to 15, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they dragged away by their own evil desires. That, that's evil within us. Our own evil desires and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. The problem with evil is that it's not just out there in the world. The problem is that there's evil in our heart. And this is the root cause of all the problems in the world. The root cause of all the problems in the world is that humans, humanity, hasn't been able to overcome the evil within our own heart. We haven't been able to overcome temptation. Ever since the time of Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they gave in to temptation. Ever since then, humanity has struggled to overcome the evil within our heart, to overcome temptation. The only person to overcome temptation was Jesus. Jesus is the only person, the only human who has been able to overcome temptation for the whole duration of his life. Now this, of course, doesn't mean that Jesus didn't face temptation like we face temptation. Because in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, it says that Jesus has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Yet he did not give in to temptation. He did not fall. So we can learn a lot from Jesus about how to overcome temptation. Now, a couple of chapters before Jesus is teaching his disciples about the Lord's Prayer, a couple of chapters before, in chapter 3, we read how Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist and how the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and how Jesus heard this audible voice from heaven in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17. This is my son whom I love with him, I am well pleased. What an incredible spiritual heart. What an experience. This happens just before Jesus is about to launch his public ministry. In, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, Jesus launches his public ministry by announcing that the kingdom of God is breaking into the world in and through him. But between these two events... Between Jesus' baptism and between Jesus launching his ministry, we read in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. And we read in Matthew chapter 4 and verses 1 to 3, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now we can learn a lot about temptation from this passage. Firstly, we learn to expect it. And we need to expect it. If Jesus faced spiritual attack and temptation, so will we. And this wasn't just a one-off thing. You know, Jesus didn't face temptation once and then overcome it, and that was it, done, done and dusted. This was a lifelong battle. 
You see, at the end of this passage, we read in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 11, then the devil left him and angels came to attend him. But in Luke's version, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 13, we read, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Until an opportune time. And there were many opportunities. The prime ones we read about are Matthew chapter 16 and verse 23, where the tempter comes to Jesus once again, and this time through Peter, he tries to tempt Jesus, he tries to persuade Jesus to, to give up the way of the cross. And Jesus responds in verse 23, get behind me, Satan. Again, when Jesus is just about to be arrested, he's in the garden of Gethsemane, again the tempter comes to him and tries to persuade him to give up the way of the cross. And Jesus prays in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. All through Jesus' life, from the beginning to the end, he faced spiritual attack and temptation. Sometimes we, we, we get worried because we think, we by now, I've been a Christian for so long, by now I should have reached a stage where, where I'm beyond temptation, where, where I'm immune to temptation. Jesus never reached that stage. If Jesus never reached that stage, we will never reach that stage. From the very beginning of Jesus' life to the very end, Jesus constantly was fighting this battle, constantly Experiencing spiritual attack and temptation, so expect it. Secondly, know when you are vulnerable. Know when you are vulnerable. Jesus had just experienced an incredible spiritual high. He had just been baptized. He just received the Holy Spirit. He heard an audible voice saying, this is, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. Incredible spiritual high. Immediately afterwards, he is vulnerable. When we have a great spiritual high, maybe we've been at a Christian conference or a camp, and we're on this high, immediately afterwards, we are vulnerable to spiritual attack. Jesus was all alone in the desert. When we're alone, when we're not surrounded by fellow Christians, but when we're all alone, we're vulnerable. Jesus was physically hungry. He hadn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. He was vulnerable. When you haven't eaten, when you're hungry, when you're tired, when you're ill, when you're stressed, you are vulnerable. Jesus was just about to step out in faith and launch his, his public ministry of, of bringing in the kingdom of God. When you step out in faith and when you start taking risks for God, you start doing things for the kingdom of God, you become a target. You become vulnerable to spiritual attack and temptation. So know when you are vulnerable. Thirdly, this is an internal struggle. The, the, the battlefield is our mind. This is an internal struggle that's happening within the heart and the mind of Jesus. This is not an external battle. The devil didn't uh, appear in some kind of physical form to Jesus. This was an internal struggle. Uh, one of the proofs for this is uh, there's no mountain which uh, you can see all the kingdoms of the world. This was a vision. This was all happening within the mind and the heart of Jesus. This is an internal struggle. The, the battlefield is our mind. Fourthly, then we need to be aware of the enemy's strategy. If this is, all, if this is an internal struggle, if, if the battlefield is our mind, then we need to be aware that the enemy's strategies is lies and deception. And he will try to get us to doubt. Doubt. 
to, to question the goodness of God, to question who we are in God. Jesus has just had this incredible spiritual heart. God has just said to Jesus, this is my son whom I love. What is the first thing the devil says to Jesus? If you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. Are you sure? Are you really sure? He's so in doubt. You've just gone to this wonderful Christian conference or camp, or you've just had a, an amazing encounter with God at church, and you come away, and the devil comes to you and says, Are you sure God loves you? Are you sure you're a child of God? So in doubt. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 3 If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Go on, prove it. Verse 6, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it's written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands. Go on, prove it. So in doubt. His other strategy is to entice us to compromise. To have the easy life. Take the easy option. Use your gifts selfishly. Come on, turn, turn, turn all these stones into bread. You won't be hungry anymore. You will be satisfied. You will have a comfortable life. You will be rich. Think of all the bread. Go and throw yourself off the temple. The people will be amazed if you do that. They will be stunned. Think how popular you will be. How famous you will be. And then in Verses nine and I'm sorry, eight and nine. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Just a little compromise. And effectively, you know, what the tempter is saying to Jesus is, I know why you've come. You have come to reclaim all the kingdoms of the world from me. You have come to save all the kingdoms of the world. Well, I tell you what. Let's make a compromise. If you worship materialism, if you worship money, if you worship me, I tell you what. I will just give it to you. I'll give you everything you want, everything you've come for. I'll just give it to you. And you won't have to suffer and die on the cross. You can have it easy. Have an easy life. Just a little compromise. And that's still his strategy. Just just compromise. Don't set your standards quite so high. Just wink a little bit at evil. Just turn a blind eye at some questionable things and you can still achieve all your godly goals but without all that suffering, all that hard work, and all that selfless living. You can have an easy life. Just a little compromise. Tom Wright, in his little commentary, uh, tells a story about a, a lady called Jennifer who went out for a long walk in the woods by herself. She needed some time to, to think and reflect. It had been a hectic six months. Ever since her local political party told her, to her surprise, that they wanted her to be their candidate. She was overwhelmed with a sense of honor 
of running for parliament, of being able to serve people and serve her country. Her one thought was, get elected, and then you can change the world. You can make things better. And it had been a frantic last few days, touring around, giving speeches, handshakes, late nights, too much coffee, more speeches, more shaking hands, and then finally the election. She couldn't believe it. Victory by 10,000 votes. They had chosen her. They wanted her. She just needed some time to think and reflect, hence the long walk in the woods by herself. And she couldn't believe what happened. She still had the same ideas, the dreams of, of serving people and changing the world, making it better. But what were these other voices in her head? Now's your chance, whispered the voices. Now's your chance to make a lot of money. Think of all the businesses that are going to want you on their board so you can lobby other ministers. And if you play your cards right, if you don't make too much of a fuss about many things, if you get to know the right people, you could become a government minister in cabinet. Think of the fame and the popularity, the, the press conferences and the, and the TV appearances. And think what you can do now. You know that party activist that you've never got along with? Well, you can get rid of him. You've got power now. Where were all these voices coming from? So what's the solution? How do we overcome temptation? How do we overcome these whispering voices in our head? Well, firstly, know the truth. If the enemy's strategy is lies and deception, half-truths and misquoted scripture, then the way you overcome them is by knowing the truth. The way you overcome a lie is by knowing the truth. You see, if you don't know the truth, then you will believe the lie. And if you believe the lie, the lie will have power over you. You, you will start to think, God, well, God doesn't love me. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not a child of God, and so on. The lie will have power over you. But the way you overcome a lie is simply by knowing the truth. Take note how Jesus responds. He simply quotes the truth. He simply quotes Scripture. In verse 4, he says, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In verse 7, he says, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And in verse 10, once again, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. When we know the truth, when we know the Bible, and when we declare the truth, the lie has no power over us. It's not passive. It's active. Know the truth and declare the truth over yourself. Secondly, we need to recognize the voice. It's not always easy to recognize the voice inside your head because it kind of sounds like your voice. I think it's quite interesting that it's only in verse 10, right at the end, that Jesus actually addresses Satan directly. It's only in verse 10 that he says, away from me, Satan. Is it only at this point, right at the end, that he actually recognizes 
the voice for who it is. And he actually recognizes that, oh, this is, this is Satan. And then he addresses Satan. And as soon as he addresses Satan, we read in verse 11, then the devil left him. You see, he's been having this eternal struggle in his mind. He's hearing all these whispering voices tempting him to do all kinds of things. And he's been overcoming these voices by by, by declaring the truth, by quoting scripture. And then as if all of a sudden he goes, this is Satan. This is Satan's voice. And he says to Satan, away from me, Satan. And as soon as he says that, we read then the devil immediately left him. And sometimes, as soon as we recognize the voice, it's almost as if it loses its, its power. But one of the difficult things about recognizing the voice is it's very difficult to recognize the voice because, like I said earlier, it, it kind of sounds like our voice. Now, I've seen many video depictions of, of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. And in most of them, Satan is dressed in black, and he's got this evil voice, and he looks like evil himself. If Satan appeared to us like that, it would be very easy to recognize his voice. Yeah, it's like, you Satan. Uh, very, very easy. And, and his lie will have no effect on us. I mean, there's no way we're going to believe it. You're going to like, I'm not going to believe that uh, because, um, well, you're Satan. And so there's no way I'm going to believe you. So his lie will have no impact on us. I saw one uh, depiction, video depiction of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, which I thought was brilliant. Unfortunately, I can't remember where I saw it, and I can't find it. Uh, But it was brilliant. (laughs) In this depiction, they used only one actor. That They used the same actor to play Jesus and to play Satan. It was the exact same actor. The voice was exactly the same. The only way you, as a viewer, could tell the the, the difference and distinguish them was because Satan had a little bit more bling. He had like a nice suit and a bit of jewelry. But otherwise, it's exactly the same. I thought it was very clever because that's what it's like. It's, it, you're kind of hearing your own voice. It's very difficult to, to recognize the voice. But as soon as you recognize the voice, it's like it loses all its power. And, and that's definitely been Victoria and, 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 and my experience. Uh, often we'll be going through a really difficult time. Everything just seems to be going wrong. Everything's going from every direction is going wrong. And, and we have this... These, these whispering voices in, in, in our heads. I mean, we, we're feeling you know, pretty discouraged. We're feeling uh, frustrated. We're feeling irritable. And, and, and then we have these voices. Why do you even bother? No, no one even appreciates what you're doing. You can't make any difference. You're not making any difference. All these voices. And then all of a sudden we go, oh! This is a spiritual attack. And we were kind of like, wow, we're just about to launch a new Alpha course. We're just about to do this and do that. This is, this is a spiritual attack. And as soon as we've identified that, that where this is coming from, as soon as we've recognized the voice and identified it, it's, it's as if it immediately disappears. Almost instantaneously. So recognize the voice. And then renounce Satan. Soon as Jesus recognizes the voice, soon as he realizes who the voice actually is, that this is Satan, he says in verse 10, away from me, Satan. And then we read in verse 11 that the devil left him. We need to actively declare Satan away from me. 
and he will flee. And then fourthly and lastly, we need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray the Lord's Prayer daily. We need to pray and lead us not into temptation. Don't let us give in to temptation. A vote of no confidence. I can't do this. And when we pray that, it reminds us of a couple of things. One, it reminds us that we will face temptation. That we will face spiritual attack. And secondly, it reminds us that we can't do this by ourselves. That we need help. We need God to help us to not give in. To help us to stand firm. And so we pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that where we aren't able to succeed, where we fail, you came in Jesus and you succeeded for us. That you overcame the whispering voices. You overcame temptation. You overcame evil. And you've left a model for us to follow. We thank you now that, that the, the evil one is a defeated foe. That with you and by, by the Holy Spirit, we can overcome temptation. We can overcome the evil within our heart. And we thank you that this is only possible because of what you have done for us. And so we pray that we would, A, know the truth. And, and B, that we would recognize those whispering, whispering voices for what they are. And then, Father, we pray that you would give us the, the courage and the strength to declare the truth and to renounce Satan so that we can move forward and follow you. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.